Hello, welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. This is Jeremiah Johnson. We are on episode number 54, and this is going to be a verse-by-verse with Rick Maynard. So, Rick, thanks for joining us, as always. Before we dive in, just going to ask you to do one thing. Just share it. Just share the Grace Point Daily Podcast with someone else. I'm sure they might enjoy it. There's almost 60 episodes to listen to, a different content of various forms, verse-by-verse, real-life stories, devotionals, encouragements, all kinds of good stuff. But today is a verse-by-verse, so Rick, let's dive into it. Okay. We are on uh, 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, last week, we kind of finished up uh, part of a story. We won't rehash that, but uh, it the Bible sometimes doesn't divide even at a chapter where you would think it would. So this is actually just kind of a brand new story. It set it up with uh, David basically on his deathbed. We don't know how long he's going to last at this point, but uh, these are the things that begin to happen while he's laying on his deathbed. So in verse 5 it says, Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put herself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. So uh, Adonijah is the eldest living son of David, uh, but the wording there says he exalted himself. Now, uh, you know, in those days, the king was uh, anointed, chosen by God. Uh, the prophet would speak about the king. I mean, there was a, a way, uh, just like our elections today, we have a way that we get a president. Uh, somebody doesn't just come in one day and say, I'm going to be the king and, or I'm going to be the president. And uh, so it goes all the way back in these times. That's the way it worked. There was a process of becoming uh, king. But Adonijah uh, sets himself up and it's it's a sad story about Adonijah himself, but if you think about this, you know, he can't be king, even if he were to be king, he can't be king till David's dead. Mm-hmm. But he begins to set himself up while his dad's laying in the deathbed. I mean, it's a pretty sad reflection, and, and we'll see that he was not uh, a very good man in just the process of the things that he did. But I had to think of um, the story of the prodigal son is a little bit like this, where, you know, he had an inheritance that was coming when dad died, but he came and, you know, I want it now. I want my inheritance now. And so kind of the same principle. But uh, God had said that Solomon would be king, and David had repeated what God had said, that Solomon was going to be the next king. So all this is against God's command and God's plan, and it's against uh, David's plan, and of course, David's plan was to do what God said. And so, it, you know, this is just a reflection. And again, it doesn't have to be in leadership. People do this today. You know, God says something, and we say, you know, we throw it in God's face. I'm not doing that. And yeah. uh, uh, we think we don't, but that's exactly what we do every time we sin, is we throw it in God's face. He said not to, and we say, I'm going to do it anyway. So, uh, so it's quite an insult to David. In this, and quite an insult to God. But um, one of the, I, I talk about this sometimes, uh, how there are things in some of the uh, ancient writings that are just kind of interesting. I don't know uh, sometimes how factual, but I tried to describe a little bit the other day uh, in Sunday school class about there's a Babylonian Talmud and a Jerusalem Talmud. And those are the writings of, um, ancient rabbis who were would be like the most elite of the elite 
and but they're not stated as facts. If you ever read that, it's a, it's actually kind of confusing. I can't read it very long because it gets a little uh, crazy sounding. But it would be uh, as if you would take, uh, if you would say, okay, you know, Rick Maynard is one of the uh, smart guys in the church, and Jeremiah Johnson is one of the smart guys in the church, yep. and Kelly Stevens is one of the, <laughs> well, never, we don't want to talk about Kelly Stevens, yeah. but anyway, but uh, Kelly Stevens is one of the smartest men in the church. So you would take those three men, and you would say, okay, here's the question. Or here's this historical fact. Let's talk about it. And so, uh, in the uh, in those writings, they don't necessarily talk about it and then come to a conclusion. It would be like you, me, and Kelly having this discussion, and we all three have our opinion based on what we know about it. And so, one of the things and I just say that we won't go on with that. But one of the things that talks about um, he got chariots and horses ready with fifty men to run ahead of him, and these fifty men are. Uh, these are guys who have decided to be a runner from the beginning or their parents decided that they wanted to raise them as a runner. So it's not just, um, you know, that you ask for 50 guys in the church to volunteer to run ahead of, you know, uh, the new pastor that's coming in uh, to announce him coming. These are not average guys. These are guys who are trained, who are paid. Uh, It is kind of an elite group. So uh, they are raised for this. And, and one of the things that said, and I, I, I don't know how this could happen in those times, but they said that uh, those 50 men, that they would remove their spleens because a man can live without a spleen and that that would show or slow a person down. So if there was something you could take out of them that would you know, cause them to be less sluggish or whatever, and that they would burn their feet as children, they would take hot plates and burn the feet so that they would callous. And then when they would callous, they would scrape on that, and they said they would get them almost down to the point of running on bare bones. Wow. So that they could run through the briars and the thorns, the rocks, and all of that. So, uh, Yeah, so, Kelly Stevens would not have been one of these 50 men. No, I don't think we'd get him <laughs> as a runner. But we would like to burn him and right. cut his skin off. <laughs> no, sorry, Kelly. Um. Verse 6, his father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was a very handsome and was born next after Absalom. So this is, it's kind of odd because it's in parenthesis. So it follows uh, verse 5, talking about Adonijah, talking about how he's going to exalt himself and I will be king. And then it goes right on to say his father had never interfered with him. Why do you behave as you do? And this is not, you know, David was a great man, but I think we know uh, history, reading through uh, Samuel, reading through Kings, David really was not a good father. He was, you know, to be a mighty warrior, you would have thought he would have been this harsh father who, you know, whipped his kids into shape because he was such a warrior himself. Hmm. Uh, But he seemed to have kids that, you know, rebellious, rebellious. for whatever reason, we don't know, but it says he had never interfered. It doesn't put the blame on uh, the kids. It puts the blame on David. And I, as I read about this, uh, it was just, uh, it was interesting to see what people had to say about it. But if yeah. you read some of the commentaries, it says spoiled, rotten kid, never corrected, have his own way, 
not made ashamed for his actions, no punishment. And it says right here in this verse that David never asked, why did you do what you did? Yeah, so, and I have a, the voice version I'm reading from said David never questioned his actions. Right. And I, you know, that's a sad reflection for a father. I mean, for a mother too, but when we think of the father uh, issue. And so it is a, a strange, I, I just wrote down, he was a spoiled, rotten, good-looking, rich kid. <laughs> you know, probably reminds, probably you were that way in college, yep. just <laughs> spoiled, rotten, good-looking, rich kid. Here, you know, here's what's interesting. Here's what I will say, and I'll try and give David uh, not the benefit of the doubt. Right. I, I have noticed this practically in real life as I meet older men or guys that are older or near towards death. Mm-hmm. I guess the age I'd put on that would be, 70s 80s that have very dysfunctional kids and i'm talking at these men as being christians in the church godly men right or what would be considered godly men christian men mm-hmm. excusing or or having children that are clearly not following jesus right but yet wanting to paint a better picture than what is actual reality right well, you know, no parent out there wants to say, I've got the most rotten kids, <laughs> you know. Uh, other people may say it about our kids, but now my boys, when they were growing up, I better be careful because one of them listens <laughs> to this podcast, but, you know, when they were growing up, up into the two years old, I mean, they were terrible. I mean, they tore up everything we owned. You know, they wrote on every wall we had. They threw their food on the floors, and, you know, it was a, and you've got twins. You know that yeah. uh, two sometimes is a little more hard to handle, but... Um, but anyway, we'll get back to this, but yeah. So all that did say, maybe David too, was kind of now looking through, you know, cause he's on the deathbed and may, maybe he's a little just ignorant at this point, right. you know, Oh, maybe it's not that bad. It's, you know, he's not that bad of a kid, you know, he's just, maybe that was part of the process as well there. Right. Not, 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 I mean, it, clearly we see from David's history that for sure he allowed things, right at times and seasons when he shouldn't have in his life. Right. Well, it it goes back to that thing where people, nobody wants to, I can say what I want to about my kids, but you don't say anything about my kids. Right. That's kind of the the thought too. So, and you know, and I've seen, and and you have too, there are are great parents who raise their kids and one of them turns out great and the other kid is a, a terror, you know. And so you can't always blame the parent either. Right. You know, kids have a responsibility. They're taught, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. Well, it's not a guarantee that he's never going to depart yeah. from it. That's just a good saying that if you'll do that, it, you have a much better chance. Right. You know, so, um, and, they, you know, the other thing, when when you have no uh, discipline, you begin to think it's okay, you know, if you get away with it. And so sometimes you can't even blame maybe even the recent things on David as much as you can, maybe the earlier things in his life, because it says he'd never question him. And so, uh, you know, you can't blame Adonijah altogether either, because once you get away with things so many yeah. times, you begin to think it's okay. And and again, quite a lesson for um, our, our relationship with the Lord. You know, yeah. well, you know, God didn't really do anything to me or, or punish me for that, so... Uh, you know, the abuse of grace, in other words, well, he's, you know, he, he's not going to punish me, so I'll just go ahead and do what I want to do. And uh, so we're not so much different, really, in our relationship with our father. So uh, verse 7, Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of Zariah, 
and with Abiath are the priests, and they gave him their support. So Adonijah's not just, you know, all alone. He's trying to uh, gain the support. He knows how to play the game. He's been around. I don't know how old he is, but uh, David's 70, so, you know, wherever he's at in his age, but he knows how to play the game. Uh, he's after that political support. Uh, if he gets Joab in there, he has the military support, which was mm-hmm. very uh, important at the time. If he gets Abiathar in there, he's a priest, so Abiathar can give him the spiritual support. So people who are uh, spiritual, well, if Abiathar thinks he's okay and this is a good thing, then maybe, you know, maybe he is a good guy. Maybe he is the right man. Um, and then it, you you have to wonder, David had said uh, at some time that he wouldn't kill Joab. Well, maybe Joab in this situation, he's he kind of becomes a little bit of a deserter, but he may be thinking, I better follow Adonijah because uh, David said he wouldn't kill me, but he very well could have Solomon do it. Yeah. And David was known for that a little bit, you know. Job's had some bad experiences with David. Yes, yes, he has. <laughs> In their so, relationship together. Yes. Uh, verse 8, But Zadok the priest, Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei, and Rai, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. So it's not a total desertion for David. You know, there was a time when he was fleeing from Absalom that really, I mean, his family and friends, and I mean, there was he had some following, but even the people who thought David was great started following Absalom. And yeah. so at this point, there are some people that are standing up for the right thing. The difference is uh, when it talks about Zadok, Zadok is the high priest. He's not just a priest. He's high priest. He stays with, with David. Benanei is a chief judge of the Sanhedrin, so he has the legal uh, following that stays. It doesn't say they stayed with David, it just says they didn't join Adonijah, so you have to assume uh, that they're remaining faithful. Um, and that the thing, the high priest and the Sanhedrin both have to be present when a king is anointed. So Abiathar has, or I'm sorry, Adonijah has a following. He just doesn't have what's required uh, for that. So he's got a little bit of what he needs, but not everything that he needs. So, um, and the other thing that they would have to have is a revelation from a prophet. So Nathan doesn't go. So it's listing all these things, all these guys who didn't go, and you would have to have all of those. Uh, it mentions Shimei, and we don't know if uh, this is the same Shimei. Um, I think it was probably before we started podcasting, but uh, Shimei at one time threw dust on David and was not, uh, really good to the king. So we don't know if this is that changed uh, Shimei or if this is another. Sometimes it'll tell us in the word, mm. you know, uh, he was. that's the reason so many times it says son of so-and-so so that you know it was the same man. It doesn't mention that here. So um, we don't know whether that's the same guy or not. Practical thought as we read through this, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, for all of us in life, who who are you aligning yourself with? Right in your life, we all have an inner circle. We all have a circle. We have all have people of influence in our lives. Who are those people? What is their motivation? You know, like th- those people that I'm hanging out with. What motivates them? What drives them? Is that the kind of people I want to hang with? Right, and it, you know, it's one of those things. If you um, if you're trying to align yourself to be close with the pastor, 
you know, well, then if the pastor mentions you from the pulpit, do you feel prideful mm. or do you feel don't, you know, don't do that. Don't um, mention me because I don't want people to think that, you know, there's some kind of a favoritism or, yeah. uh, you know, to be, oh, well, the pa- you're, you must be close to the pastor or you're one of the pastor's favorites or uh, whatever. I don't like that feeling. You know, I want to be close to a pastor, but I don't want people to feel like that I've done something uh, special, that I have an ulterior motive, I guess. Right. Be, you know, uh, I had somebody say one time, we were talking about the pastor, and he made the statement, well, you just think the pastor can't do anything wrong. You know, they were because they were complaining about the pastor. <laughs> and uh, you just think he can't do nothing wrong, you know. So, or or the pastor's not very friendly. And I, I made a statement. I said, so, so you asked the pastor out to lunch and he wouldn't go? Well, no, you know, I mean, it's like, it's like, well, you're the favorite. Well, that's because I ask. I don't wait for him to ask, you know. Anyway, we'll move on. We're, we're oh, stepping on toes now. Right. So, uh, nine Funny and, but true. Yes. Uh, 9 and 10, we'll read those together. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fatted calves at the stone of Zoheleth near Enrogel. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah who were royal officials but he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaniah or the special guard or his brother Solomon. Uh, this is, again, uh, his father's still alive. The stone of Zoheleth or Enrogel. Uh, this is a, uh, you know, sometimes you wonder, well, what difference does it make where they were, you know, locations? But he has a plan and a plot to take over the kingship from David and the stone of, of Zoheleth, or Enrogel, uh, the women came there to wash clothes. That's where they trample their clothes with their feet, you know, to clean. Uh, young men would gather there. It was a little bit of one of those places where uh, they would gather and have, like, competition. You know, can, can one of us push the stone over? You know, if you uh, kind of like almost like sci-fi, you know, if you can mm. push the stone over, or what is it if you can pull the sword out? Which yeah, one sword is, out of the stone. Right. If you can pull the sword yep. out, you know. Excalibur. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of one of those type situations where those guys would gather there uh, to show their strength or whatever. And then they said that it was a uh, it was a high stone that you could climb up on that was like at a, I don't know, an intersection, I guess, of roads where you could climb up on there as a traveler and you could see a long distance to be able to see kind of where you were to get your bearings or whatever. So, uh, you know, Adonijah, by meeting there, would attract all of these women who are washing clothes. He would attract all these guys who are there with all this competition. He would attract the travelers who were coming through, you know, making announcements that uh, he's going to be king. So, you know, he does know how to play the game Yeah, in, in this situation. But... um and it says it was customary to anoint kings near running water. So water was always a sign of blessing. And, uh, you know, uh, again, we read some of these things that seem like they're insignificant. But, uh, you know, if it's in there, generally if you dig a little bit, there's some reason that that it was stated there. So, Well, it uh, sounds like for sure he, he had this thought through pretty well. Yeah, I don't think he woke up morning <laughs> this, and decided yeah. he was going to be king. Uh and and it mentions there again who he didn't invite, Nathan the prophet. Uh, Nathan had prophesied Solomon's reign. So uh, obviously he's not going to want Nathan to be there. And Nathan is a prophet. He's probably very bold. Uh, Nathan's a man who came to David before 
and uh, told him all about the story of Bathsheba. You know, he's not afraid to confront people. That's, I don't think the prophets were really well liked because generally they were very straightforward. This is mm-hmm. the way it is. You guys are sinners, you know, kind of thing. Uh, he probably wouldn't have made, uh, the prophet was more like the evangelist. They can say what they want to say and then they're gone. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, they don't live at the church every week to deal with it. But, uh, you know, Nathan probably would have insulted him and called him, you know, uh, called him on the carpet there. So, uh, Ben and AI, uh, their job was to support David. Uh, obviously they had to make a decision whether it was safer to stay with David or safer to, to go out, but they had made a commitment you know, to follow him, to take care of him. So uh, they're, they're going to support him to the end. They're, they're not uh, uh, defaulting here. Solomon, uh, obviously you're not going to invite, I mean, he's your brother, but you're not going to invite the guy who you're trying to take over what should be his. This chapter is like the textbook for scheming against your father. This is all laid out here yes, for you. If yes, it is. If you're needing to scheme against your father, just read First Kings chapter 1. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Some of you don't need any help right. out there. You already <laughs> got it down pat. But Verse 11, Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggath, has become king without our Lord David's knowing it? So we know that David does not know uh, what's going on. Now, uh, you know, why Bathsheba? Well, number one, she's David's wife. Uh, she has access. You know, she can walk in. Uh, she doesn't have to make an appointment and have special. And I'm sure under this under the circumstances of David really being on his deathbed, there's probably very few people that have access to him at this point. So, you know, in our time, David would, was probably on hospice. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not much being done. And, you know, a lot of people, when they reach that stage, they don't want visitors. Right. And so uh, so they go to Bathsheba to ask her uh, to, to make sure that David understands what's going on. She has influence as a, as a wife, um, and she has a concern because it affects her son in this, um, in this situation or this takeover. Uh, they didn't vote for the king, so it wasn't you know like they're trying to win over the votes mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Your king is is anointed. I, it's a I've always said it's a strange thing in the church, and I understand how we do it, but it has always felt like a strange thing to vote a pastor in. You know, we say we voted this guy in as our new pastor. <laughs> uh, you know, it is a shame that we don't just have the word from God and the word from the prophet that says. This is the guy, and you hope that those people who are voting are spiritually seeking God's will, but but it does seem a little strange that that's what we have to do to, you know, to have a pastor in yeah. the church. But, um, and they were, this was all an attempt at a takeover, so we're not spoiling the story here, but uh, it's all just attempt uh, at a takeover. It, it would be... In our culture, again, someone wakes up one day and says, you know, I'm going to be the president, and, you know, they begin this big takeover. There's a lot of people who would like to have been president instead of the one we got. But uh, And then now we see, uh, you know, with a election coming up, all these people who are getting into the race. Yeah. You know, and so. Democratic Party is all the rage right now. Yeah. Yeah. They have, they have the be? most. Yeah. <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, David doesn't know about any of this, and they've, they've probably kept it to him or from him a little bit for his own protection. But, but I think David still has his, his uh, senses. You know, if, if he were comatose, you know, vegetative state or uh, whatever, this would be a different story. And, that's, again, that's why it's sad that Adonijah is doing this. Well, David still has his capabilities yeah. of running the country, in other words. So um, verse 12, Now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. So um, Nathan has, has spoken to Bathsheba. Uh, he's not going in directly, but they do have a plan. Uh, David really has been uh, a friend of the family, I guess. Uh, he might speak harshly, but, you know, sometimes we need somebody around to speak harshly. We need somebody to just tell it like it is and not beat around the bush. And, you know, with, uh, with pastors, we have cotton candy theology, you know, where everything's good and we don't want to upset anybody and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings and we don't want to call something sin. You know, it's lifestyle and life choices and all of those kind of things. But uh, sometimes we need that prophet, yep. you know, whether the pastor becomes a prophet for one service or one statement sometimes. Uh, we need the pastor to, to say, this is the way it is, you know, tell it like it is. So uh, so there's your challenge. Now, I'm not going to tell you yeah. I'm going to listen. But, oh, yeah. You know, but you can tell me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have offended my share of people, even oh. in my, my time in ministry so far. Yes, I know. And I Intentionally probably... and unintentionally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just don't care. You know, it's just, <laughs> there's no way around it. So, not that you want to hurt people, but sometimes there's no way around it. But, um, and, and all of this whole thing, uh, one of David's statements in the Psalms says, Many are the thoughts in the heart of a man, but it is the will of God that prevails. So, uh, you know, in our president, we can think sometimes we have a, a terrible president or whatever, but for whatever reason, it was God's will, God's timing uh, to teach us something or whatever. And I know a lot of people, how in the world can that person being in that office be God's will? But it may be God's will because he's punishing us uh, for something. It doesn't mean it's God's will just because everything feels good and works out, you know. Yeah. So uh, the prophet is the one that declares his will, uh, and and you said this the other day, and this is uh, really almost exactly what I've written down. It's not his responsibility to take action. You were talking about the church mm-hmm. and people coming to the church. You have a responsibility to declare God's word, to minister to the church, to visit the sick, whatever you would put in your category of requirements of what you do, but God builds the church. Yep. You know, Amen. If it doesn't grow or whatever... It's not your fault. And so in the yeah. in the prophet sense, he declared it, but generally he didn't take personal, um, uh, he didn't get involved personally. He just declared what was going to happen if you don't uh, do what God says here and let God uh, work things out. But And and I don't know what, uh, Nathan may have thought that God had changed his mind when he started hearing about this. Uh, maybe that Solomon had done something and and he didn't reveal it to me, Nathan, but God revealed it to Solomon. You're not going to be the next king. I, I, we don't know what happened there, what his thoughts may have been. But maybe in this case, it was time to take action and not just declare it. He declared it to Bathsheba, but he's going to get involved in this too. Uh, and if I don't stop it now, and I, if I don't uh, interfere now, if I don't take, then God's going to do it eventually. 
because God's will is going to be done. Yeah. Uh, so um, I don't know. Again, I never have a timer in front of me where we yeah. are. But I think, you know, the moral good stopping point and just to really meditate. And I, I want to think about myself in this regard. You know, we read stories like this and we think about uh, Adonijah. He's so evil. You know, oh, man, I would never. But really trying to think more about me, how in our lives we sometimes connive. Right. We steal, kill, and destroy to get what we want rather than just letting God do what he needs to do in our in our own lives sometimes. Right. And we can get really creative and really crafty and really evil at times right. in our pursuit to get what we want. Now, I, and I, I know instantly when we think of these stories, we think of, oh, yeah, there's old, uh, that former church member Bob there. And, oh, yeah, he was. But I, I think of, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a bad story, an evil story about myself as a pastor. I remember one time when I was a youth pastor, is when I was doing my first CD and I wanted to record it and it cost money to do that and all that kind of thing. And I was, uh, we didn't really have the budget for it. And I was trying to, I can't remember if I was really talking to the senior pastor about that or not. And I didn't really necessarily have his blessing per se, cause I was doing it with the youth and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And all I remember is I made some letters and it was like, Hey, we're getting ready to support a CD or record a CD of songs that we wrote. And I'd love for you to be a part of it. Would you help us with it financially to do it? It's going to be a blessing for our youth. And I remember I handed out letters to people that I knew in the church more. And one of them was a deacon that I gave that letter to. Mm-hmm. And he then gave it to the pastor and he's like, Hey, what is the youth pastor doing? He's uh, gave me this letter, trying to get some money from me to record the CD. And I had never told the pastor I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I got in trouble and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And I felt really bad. And I think of that story that today is maybe I wasn't, I don't, I wasn't set on evil. I wasn't ne- necessarily intentionally trying to harm people, but I didn't really seek out God maybe the way I should have and go through the proper channels right. to get something that I wanted. And how often do I see that? You know, maybe we're not going to this Adonijah extreme, but how often do sometimes there's something that we're want, we want or that we desire and we don't go through the proper channels uh, and ways of getting it. And we almost supersede God and other people and we lose a blessing in, in the pursuit of that. Well, yeah, because we can think uh, as, as a member of the congregation, we can think that, uh, well, uh, you know, Miriam said it, I hear from God too. You know, why do I need to run this by the pastor? I hear from God. God speaks to me, too. So why do I need the pastor's approval for this? And and so it is. It's a prideful thing, and it, and we think we're right. Otherwise, somebody told me one time, if we didn't think our opinion was right, we'd get a different opinion. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so uh, we think we're right, and sometimes we like to claim God yep. said so, you know, to make it sound better. If God wanted him to be king, he would have made him king, right? Yeah, you know, and, right. and all that. It's I, I by no love we should put that. I, I've joked that before. Um, you know, if hey, if God wanted you to be the pastor, he would have made you the pastor, right? right. But I am now. You know, yeah. just, you have to listen to me. No, just, <laughs> but uh, you know, just that whole. I, I'm. We can be very sinful and crafty, even in our spiritual Christian lives, to try and chase things that we want. And we have to somehow make sure that we're letting God let his will unfold. Right. Search my heart, oh God, see if there's any wicked way in me, you know. And most of us don't pray that because we think, well, I don't have any wicked way. I don't need to. But, you know, God, search me, you know, speak to me. So. 
Are you an Adonijah? Fall on your face and get right with God right now. Get that sin out of your life. That's right. Uh, (laughs) The conclusion of today. Yeah. Let that challenge you, encourage you. Thank you for joining on this verse by verse. Get into the Word, as always, whether it's uh, 1 Kings, whatever you're going through, whatever Bible app, you know, reading program, just get in the Word and keep seeking God. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.